Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. I read it in The Guardian, Gavin. Smoking kills coronavirus. That's why I'm smoking in the studio during the show. I'm trying to save your life. Ass. The following podcast contains... Yes, sir. He commenced to cussing and laying about with threats. Would you cuss at me, Jimmy Dean? I'll sick my dog on you. You have to use so many cuss words. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you framed your worldview around a Keanu Reeves movie and it wasn't Bill and Ted, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, May 15th, 2020. Are you more a Dunning or more of a Kruger edition of the show where we talk about why Americans don't believe in things that they don't like? Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by returning sponsor, The Association. Our business is none of your goddamn business. We are the faceless men in the room who make the decisions. We are the they in muttered rumors. We are the masters of culture deciding what you will watch and listen to this year. We are the keepers of secrets you suspect are true but cannot imagine are actually true. We are the association. And we're sustained by the donations of listeners like you. Donate now by texting NWO to 66666. Standard messaging rates apply. And receive a free association tote bag or coffee mug with your donation of $20 or more. The association. We control everything, but not without your help. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. I'm what some people would call a man of contrast. By some people, I mean me. Other folks have uh, differing opinions. Cynical. Elitist. Which are equally true. I say this because I'm a peaceful person, but I love violent entertainment. I'm largely anti-war, yet I served in the military and remained fascinated by the military. I'm an atheist, but I've got no problem with religion, not the idea of it. I do have a problem with religions enforcing their beliefs on society, but that is a different topic. I'm a rationalist, but I also love irrational things like UFOs and conspiracy theories. It's odd. You sound crazy. I am able to do all these things because first and foremost, I recognize that my opinions are... Well, opinions are like assholes, Your Honor. Everybody's got one. Cut it out. 
What I mean is, I possess no special knowledge or insight, I've earned no particular expertise, and in short, I'm just some jackass with a podcast blathering on because he likes the sound of his own voice. If you are listening to me, this is not new information. Most importantly, I am aware of the staggering amount of things I do not know. I mean, I am basically John fucking Snow. You know nothing, John Snow. The sum total of my accumulated knowledge could fit inside of a matchbox without taking the matches out first. What infinitesimal amount of knowledge I might possess isn't even mine. Someone else learned it, wrote it down, and later on I consumed said information. Oh, sure, I've had experience, but that's different than knowledge. For example, I never read anywhere not to stick your dick in those filter ports in the pool that sucks water in to be filtered. I had to figure that out all on my lonesome because the world... The world is a cruel place. But knowledge, like say that for all we think Kathmandu is a remote place where no one actually is, actually has over a million people living there. I had to read that because who has the time to personally go to Kathmandu and count all the fuckers living there? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I say this because I try to live my life avoiding the Dunning-Kruger effect, and so should you. What is the Dunning-Kruger effect? If you don't know the name, you've certainly witnessed it in your day-to-day life. It's a cognitive bias identified by two psychologists, David Dunnan and Justin Kruger. Oh. Oh, I get it. And in its simplest form, the DK effect is the less capable you are at doing something, the more likely you are to think you're good at it. Being scientists, David and Justin knew they couldn't just say it that way, so they scienced it up and put it this way, quote, The bias results from an internal illusion in people of low ability and from an external misperception in people of high ability. That is, the miscalibration of the the incompetent stems from an error about the self, whereas the miscalibration of of the highly competent stems from an error about others, unquote. Many people assume that the Dunning-Kruger effect is limited to, you know... Yeah, morons. (laughs) People like anti-vaxxers or Republican senators, but DK is endemic to humanity. In fact, one of the most pernicious effects of DK is how it makes intelligent, educated, competent people in one field of expertise think that they are competent in a totally unrelated field. Take something who is objectively probably is a genius. They created, say, a computer code for allowing for safe and secure, reliable monetary transactions to take place over the Internet, and they made a shitload of money doing it. Then they took that money and created a company making electric vehicles that are setting the standard for future technology and then go on to start a company that is making space travel an actual commercial commodity rather than the province of governments. Clearly, that person is not a simpleton, but via the miracle of Dunning-Kruger, this same person feels as though they know shit about shit when it comes to, say, I don't know, virology or epidemiology. They don't. In fact, they are dangerously misinformed, and because a lot of people perceive them as a genius, they possess an outsized impact on society with their opinions, their utterly wrong opinions, about, say, virology and epidemiology. Who did? Who are you talking about? I mean, face it, we all run into what scientists call the Duke Effect. I don't call it the Duke Effect because it would inevitably lead me to, uh... Oh, I don't know! Dookie jokes! And I'm trying to be a podcast where... We don't just do dookie jokes. 
So I took this from a website called VeryWellMind.com, which is not a good name and a kind of a, it's kind of dookie when you think about it, but that's, that's not important right now. Quote, the reality is that everyone is susceptible to this phenomenon, and in fact, most of us probably experience this with surprising regularity. People who are genuine experts in one area may mistakenly believe that their intelligence and knowledge carry over into areas which they are less familiar. A brilliant scientist, for example, might be a very poor writer. In order for the scientist to recognize their own lack of skill, they need to possess a good working knowledge of things such as grammar and composition. Because those are lacking, the scientist in this example also lacks the ability to recognize their own poor performance. The Dunning-Kruger effect is not synonymous with low IQ. As awareness of the term has increased, its misapplication as a synonym for stupid has also grown. It is, after all, easy to judge others and believe that such things simply do not apply to you, unquote. So, I try and admittedly frequently fail to remain conscious of the fact that I know very little and what little I do know puts me at risk to wildly overestimate my abilities, talents, or skills. Doing this actually does make me better than a large swath of the human population, particularly in these troubled times because there is some bullshit out there and you gotta be careful. Hell, that bullshit even has a name. And when something has a name, it's gotta be real. The Rand Corporation calls it truth decay. Truth decay? Like tooth decay? See, Rand is trying to make a little pun there. <laughs> Rand is not aware that for all that they're very smart, that does not translate to being able to pun well. Quote, over the past two decades, national political and civil discourse in the United States has been characterized by truth decay, declined as a set of four interrelated trends and an increasing disagreement about facts and analytical interpretations of facts and data, a blurring of the line between opinion and fact, an increase in the relative volume and resulting influence of opinion and personal experience over fact, and lowered trust in formerly respected sources of factual information. These trends have many causes, but this report focuses on four. Characteristics of human cognitive processing, such as cognitive bias, changes in the information system, including social media and the 24-hour news cycle, competing demands on the educational system that diminish time spent on media literacy and critical thinking, and polarization, both political and demographic. The most dangerous consequences of truth decay include the erosion of civil discourse, political analysis, alienation, and disengagement of individuals from political and civic institutions, and uncertainty over national policy, unquote. Let's take, for example, a recent confuffle about a YouTube video. And there's the problem. Oh, trust me, we know. The video, titled Plandemic Part 1, began percolating in the bowels of YouTube over the past few weeks before spewing in a diarrhea torrent all over social media faster than platforms could take it down. What, you might ask, is a plandemic part one? This is incoherent drivel. Exactly. It was written, directed, and produced to activate the Dunning-Kruger cortex in large parts of the population. Quoting from the New York Times, quote, 
In the 26-minute video, the woman now asserted, asserted how Dr. Fauci, the director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, and a leading voice on the coronavirus had buried her research about how vaccines could damage people's immune systems. It is the most weakened immune system, she declared, that have made people susceptible to the illness like COVID-19. The video, a scene from a longer, dubious documentary called Plandemic, was quickly seized upon by anti-vaccinators, the conspiracy group QAnon, and activists from the Reopen America movement generating more than 8 million views and has turned the woman, Dr. Judy Mikovitz, 62, a discredited scientist, into a new star of virus information, unquote. Quoting now from Live Science, quote, among the unfounded claims in the video is that masks activate the virus and that beaches have healing powers and that a vaccine against COVID-19, the disease caused by the virus, will kill millions, unquote. Now, if you're like me, the first thing you lit upon was not the wild shit about the mask activating the virus, but the healing power of beaches. And I thought to myself, I can see that. Bette Midler was amazing in that movie, and it truly uplifted my soul. Touchstone Pictures presents Academy Award nominee, Bette Midler. But enough about me, let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> and Barbara Hershey. You maniac! Are you always like this? No. Good. Then you can stay. In a motion picture about relationships. I'm a womanizer, Cece. I'm not a liar. I'll see you back home on Monday. You're lucky. <laughs> Hi, Marge. How's life treating you? And about life. Could be dead. Nah. If she was dead, she would have dropped the bottle. Beaches. What a pair. Once in a lifetime, you make a friendship that lasts forever. Come to find out, it was not about the Academy Award nominated for art direction 1988 movie where Bette Midler would go on to win a Grammy for her performance in the Dolly classic Wind Beneath My Wings in 1990 but actually you know it wasn't about that it was about the beach you know the one with sand seagulls and based on Coney Island a lot of fat fucking Russians that beach <laughs> apparently has healing powers for COVID-19 but you know what? Given the choice between Boris's giant white belly gleaming in the sun and the Rona, I might actually choose the Rona. The creator of the video, according to the Los Angeles Times, quote, when filmmaker Mickey Willis uploaded a 26-minute video called Plandemic to the Internet on May 4th, he knew it was likely to cause a stir, but Willis didn't pank on becoming the poster boy for coronavirus disinformation. In reality... He was just a dad in Ojai making low-budget movies out of his house, unquote. Oh, that's a load of shit. Yeah, keep it in mind my previous statements about Dunning-Kruger. I can't claim to know what the slithering snot weasel's intentions were. But all this I do know, if it stinks and comes out of an asshole, chances are you got yourself some shit, my friend. This video is pure flim-flammery, chicanery, duplicity, dissemblance, machination, swindling, spurious hoodwinking, wrapped in a good old-fashioned bread coating of propaganda and downright misinformation designed to inflame the passions of frightened people lacking sufficient expertise to know they lack the expertise to know when someone else, someone who is a douchebag, is selling them a pile of horse shit and calling it compost. You know. Americans. And 8 million of them clicked on it and shared it wildly with all of its inaccurate and dangerous misinformation all over their social media feeds like a diuretic elephant. 
spews diarrhea into the open mouths of a crowd of screaming school children. Maybe it's a bit too graphic for the space. The Atlantic on Thursday dropped a massive in-depth look at conspiracy culture in America, and particularly since the advent of the pandemic. The article spanned many facets of conspiracy culture in this country, but focused on QAnon movements as the center of this largest and most dangerous faction of a rich and highly diverse conspiracy culture. You should read the entire series, and I will link to it in the show notes, but this line stood out to me out of all the lines in the articles. Quote, QAnon is emblematic of, America, of modern America's susceptibility to conspiracy theories and its enthusiasm for them. But it is also already much more than a loose collection of conspiracy-minded chat room inhabitants. It is a movement united in mass rejection of reason, objectivity, and other enlightenment values. And we are likely closer to the beginning of its story than the end. The group harnesses paranoia to the fervent hope and deep sense of belonging. The way it breathes life into an ancient preoccupation with the end times is also radically new. Look at QAnon. To look at QAnon is not to see just a conspiracy theory, but the birth of a new religion, unquote. If you think that sounds ridiculous, I'd like to remind you that there's a small but very influential religion active in the world today that stemmed entirely from the mind of a pulp sci-fi writer who wanted to start a religion as a way to make him money. Great man named L. Ron Hubbard. The central tenet of that religion is that a billion-year-old alien warlord named Xenu deposited a bunch of souls on Earth into volcanoes as a political prison camp, and he brought them in spaceships that looked exactly like 1960s airplanes, but they were spaceships. Now, I know some of you might say, Dave, Scientology is just a crazy cult. It's not a religion. Well, I could tell you another story about a religion started by a, started just a couple hundred years ago by a guy who stared at a rock and a top hat and claimed that it gave him messages from God. And today, that religion is largely accepted as the same as any other form of religion in the world. This next bit is from the LDS Church History website, an actual part of the Latter-day Saint Church, and not people just goofing on Mormons. If you think of the Urim and Thummim, the descriptions that are given of the Urim and Thummim, it's described as two clear stones in a rim like glasses. And the Book of Mormon says that these stones are what constitute seers. Having the, and using these stones are what constitute seers. So the Urim and Thummim actually is this special pair of seer stones. And we have these descriptions of the Urim and Thummim connected to the breastplate and that they're large and that they don't fit on Joseph Smith's face. And we even have accounts that he takes the lenses out of the rim and puts them in a hat, which is the way he used a seer stone. So if he uses his own seer stone rather than the Urim and Thummim, he can put the Urim and Thummim in the breastplate away somewhere safe and just use his seer stone. Sounds rational enough, Captain. So let's not get on a high horse about the idea of a new religion coming out. Maybe not so much from the Q movement, specifically 
but as a part of the greater conspiracy culture in general. I mean, after all, what was Jesus really but a guy who went around with 12 other dudes saying the system was rigged against you and he had a secret wisdom that would let you into the kingdom of God. If this guy had his own YouTube channel, he'd make Logan Paul look like, I don't know, my YouTube channel by comparison. In an age with high information and low knowledge, you get a fertile breeding ground for Dunning-Kruger as a cultural phenomenon. Add to that a long cultivated trust, distrust of expertise, which is something the right wing in America has slowly been building for decades. And all it takes is a tiny spark to set off a massive conflagration, a panic and disruption that shits out a brand new religion. And along comes COVID-19 and doesn't so much spark as drops fucking napalm on the whole batshit situation. I don't like the sound of that. That's only because, you know, it's not good. I've mentioned before the Great Awakenings, a term for sweeping change in modern religion starting right around the time of the Industrial Revolution. Awakenings almost always come in times of great social change when the masses are confused and searching for the consolation of divine knowledge, and all of them are rife with, you know... I said bullshit artists. They all relied on fear and misinformation to succeed, except few did. Is it possible... We are in the age of another Great Awakening. I mean, a lot of evangelicals like to say the Fourth Great Awakening started in the 1970s in response to the massive social changes that happened after World War II and the various civil rights movements of the time. They like to call it turning back to God, but they would. I don't. Again, I'm not a theologian, so what the fuck do I know? And again, I bring up Dunning-Kruger. But if I had to venture an opinion based on nothing more than observation— borrowed knowledge and experience, I would say that the next 20 years or so are far more likely to see another religious awakening than the 1970s because the most important thing for a religious awakening isn't some sudden revelation of the divine you get from a rock in your hat. It's a scared, gullible population filled with anxiety about their status in the world. And boy, do we have that in spades. The second thing you need is for people to question the established paradigm, to doubt the gatekeepers and disfavor and dis expertise. The third thing you need is a way to distribute your new view to the, um, the divine to the broadest possible audience. In the early 1800s, when Joe Smith, Smith was hat-peeping, he had a scared, gullible population primed by decades of spiritual religious movements. People were frightened by the growing industrialization of the society and the social change from agrarian to city-based economies, the looming threat of civil war. Folks were doubting this new science, sweeping the world and wondering if maybe it was of the devil, toss in increasing ease of travel with new roads and soon the railroads, cheap printing, and bam, you got yourself a new religion. Today, we have the same mix, but in the underlying scenario, it's a little different, but mostly the same. Some rough beast is slouching towards Bethlehem in the toxic spew of conspiracy theories, hard right ideology, and rampant distrust of science and medicine. Add to this increasing secularization of America. Fewer and people, fewer and fewer people in America consider themselves religious, and it's only because that those who do consider themselves religious are so fucking loud that it seems otherwise. But we on the edge of a new religion. Maybe not based on theology, but political ideology. A new crusade where the infidel are not the believers of a different God, but a different idea on how society should be constructed. Will reason and logic be cast aside by the adherents of the church of Q and, and bow down, and their adherents bow down before the altar of the shitpost? Possibly, but you know what? I have no fucking clue because I'm not a theologian, a social psychologist, or even a philosopher. I'm a dude with a podcast. You shouldn't be listening to me because, again, I'm like Jon Snow, and I know fucking nothing. You, uh, you see what I just did there? I spent the last 10 minutes slowly constructing something that sounded plausible. 
I layered on some historical tidbits that sounded relevant to the topic at hand. I played to your dear pod friends' biases and fears because you are listening to me, and I can strongly infer that you agree with my political leanings and share many of the same biases and fears as I do. I constructed an entire argument to convince you that my opinion was right, that it was relevant, and that it was correct. All the while, I was telling you you shouldn't listen to me, to trust yourself, to do your own research, while simultaneously feeding you my research to further my point and to encourage you to look at my research instead of research that might contradict me, knowing that natural human laziness works in my favor, that you're not going to do further research on your own and will only maybe look at mine if you look at any at all. That's how all this works. That's how videos like Plandemic Part 1 feed the panic and funnel money into con artist bank accounts. That's how Elron gets his own Navy and Joe Smith gets a shitload of wives. That's how Trump gets elected and how people can fucking watch the Tiger King and find it entertaining when really you should be horrified by it. You don't know what you don't know. And by and large, you don't care. That is how we got here to 2020. It is too easy for some jackass with a persuasive argument and a vehicle to spread it around to reach a lot of people. And we can't put the lid on Pandora's little box of fun. All you can do is remember that you are not an expert and neither is anyone else unless they are actually an expert in the thing that they are talking about. So find the experts and listen to them. It isn't hard. The same tools the hucksters can use to work against them will work for you. When you see Elon Musk opine on the state of COVID-19, open a new tab and type in, quote, respected virologist, unquote, and pages of them will appear as if by magic. And if you see the same name over and over and over again on those posts, say Dr. Anthony Fauci. Chances are good, he's your guy. That is literally how Google search works. More information confirming something means it's more likely to be true. And when some new article floats through your feed, like maybe one that strikes a chord with you personally, say several articles that seem to intimate that cigarettes might prevent the Rona, and you happen to personally love cigarettes and would smugly enjoy discovering that your filthy habit is actually protecting you against the disease, don't let your cognitive bias take over. Don't let that little piece of knowledge make you think, <laughs> make you think that you know that your Marlboro is saving your life because you don't know and no one else does either. And when you learn all those articles were written by a guy who works for Philip Morris, you won't be surprised. But just in case that, you know, maybe cigarettes do prevent the coronavirus. Smoke if you got them. That is it for our show this week. Sorry to bring a little Rona into your lives, but I am like the governor of Florida that way willing to give you just a little Rona when it suits my personal interest to do so. We'll try to get back to the vapid and inane next week. Speaking of vapid and inane, rate and review the show wherever you get your pods. It helps others to discover my stunning lack of expertise. Follow the show on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast name of the show name on Facebook. Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash what the hell thinking and at what the hell podcast.com. So for me, Dave, definitely a Dunning Bledsoe producer, I see myself as more of a Kruger Gavin and all the fictional cognitive biases on the show. We want to tell you when it comes to find reliable information in the world, some 
of them are just the lie of the heart. The cold remains of what began with a passionate start. You see, that won't happen to us because it's always been a matter of trust. We'll see you all next week. But it will, it's just a question of when I've lived long enough to have learned The closer you get to the fire, the more you get burned But that won't happen to us Because it's always been a matter of trust I'm an emotional girl It took a lot for me to not lose my faith in this world And I can't offer you proof But you're gonna face a moment of truth It's hard when you're always afraid You just recover when another belief is betrayed So break my heart if you a matter of trust you can go the distance with a too much resistance I know you have doubts but for God's sake don't shut me out I have no ending for this so I take a small bow Seltzer Kings Podcasts.